And there's some numbers in there that were really staggering to me. And uh, the, um, the author is Steve Farrar. The man's written a lot of books. He's a great speaker and all that. But I just wanted to share with you some stuff that I've been reading it and locking it onto scripture. And there's one number in there that really gets me. One out of 10 in full-time ministry finished strong. And I'm like, that, that's like, that, that, that's a staggering number. One out of 10 finished strong. Now, some finished in the middle of the pack, and some just, just crash and burn really bad. And, you know, this is one of those questions of, oh, that I have a lot. I'm like, Lord, you know, how am I doing? You know, I like to kind of just be up front with God, and I want him to be up front with me, and he does a really good job with that. But like, well, how am I doing? How am I doing with this? You know what I mean? And this book really opened up a lot of my, um, you know, just a lot of thoughts. And, uh, and I just wanted to share some of this stuff with you. And the first piece of scripture I wanted to share was, um, it's in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 25. And this was from Paul. And, um, and it talks about, I'm going to keep going back to here because it seems kind of easier as long as you know, I don't lose the voice here. But Paul, Paul, they were always questioning Paul and his authority. Always. What he did, how you making your money, this and all, what kind of rights you have as an apostle. And Paul was always having to defend himself, but he did it through Christ. And this is the way I keep my life. Like when I want to talk about something, let's just back it up with some scripture. Let's talk about it how God wants to talk about it. And it says, it says, do you not know that those who run a race, in a race, all run, but one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you uh, that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. So it's temporary. But now they do it to obtain a perishable crown. But we, or an imperishable crown, and that's our salvation. So everyone runs a race. Every single one of us here has got a race to run. First of all, everyone starts a race, but sadly, not everyone finishes that race. Okay, and um, and it's um, you know, Paul had that freedom of Christ, and yet he had to discipline his body. And boy, you're looking at a guy here where I got to really work on that. I tell you, I mean, I God, I said, you know what? Keep those keep those parameters up here for me. You know what I mean? And uh, you know that Proverbs three five, you know. You know, um, you know, God keeps us in that highway right there, you know, and uh, so, but I need that. Um, everyone starts this race. Everyone. It's just like um, when you've got uh, like the Boston Marathon, you ever, uh, you know, you see, you know, runners. I never was a runner where I had to run at a certain time in my life and I hated it, but um, I really hated it. But um the Boston Marathon, these guys, it'd be like, it'd be like 50,000 people will be starting this marathon, you know, and you'll have the starting line like right here. And they got the big starting line and the entryway going in and the rest of the people are going back like 10 blocks. You know, you could have some people sitting back there, runners, you know, sitting in a Starbucks, you know, waiting for this gun to go off, you know what I mean? 
And they're probably drinking a hot coffee, you know, thinking, did you hear something? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, you know, was that a car backfiring or, is that, you know, is that a, you know, but, and, and, but that's the way it is. We all start at different increments in our lives, different spots, you know, and, uh, but we have to train by it. We have to keep ourselves in training. And this is why I'm sharing with you, like in my own life, I have to stay in training. We're always in training. It's just like, yeah, I don't know if you've ever gone out to like, um, to watch like spring training. You know, you get some of these guys. I'll never forget. I went out and watched. Um, they had uh, spring training for one of the big teams. I went out here. I took my son. And uh, <laughs> it was funny. These dudes, man, they were so far out of shape. Looks like some of them were getting winded just getting out of their limos, you know, walking onto the field, you know. And I'm like, these are the the champs. These are the champs that won it all. And in the off season, they're all they're throwing a bunch of weight on. Some of these guys are getting out of their cars and they're having a cigarette, you know. And I'm like, this is crazy. But that's how it gets sometimes. We get a little out of shape. And we get a little out of distance here. And we get a little out of breath. And we got to get this mindset. We got to keep this mindset there. And for the training that we go through. Um, but, um, but we really need that. Um, Getting into um, the next, give me the next one here in Hebrews. Um, this I love Hebrews, and I love Hebrews twelve. I highly recommend. It's one of my like top five list, along with some of the Romans, you know, and all that. Therefore, we also this this is like the lettuce chapter. Let us. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, which is entangling, you know? These things that get in our way, you know what I mean? You ever taken a moment and thought about these things? You know, if I would just stay away from this and this, I'd be doing pretty good at some of this stuff, you know what I mean? So these weights... It weigh you down. We walk around. You just got to shed some of this stuff sometimes. So we have these great cloud of witnesses. Who are these witnesses? Who are these people? You know, I mean, these are people that have been through these times that you and I sometimes are thinking, huh, man, I'm not alone on this one, I'm sure, you know. No, there's a lot of people that are going through the same stuff that you're going through right now. Currently and in the past, like in the Bible, like in this, how about... Uh, this wall of fame here in, in, uh, in Hebrews 11 talks about all these different guys. You look at this and you're like, this guy? Samson? <laughs> this dude? You got to be kidding me. This guy was a womanizer. He defied everything. Went and God gave him such a gift and all that. But you know what? The dude finished pretty good, didn't he? You know? You read this in the little children's Bible. You know what I mean? Shows Samson, you know, pushing those pillars. He finished pretty strong. He made one wicked impact. It's amazing. So, um, did I read that whole thing? Or uh, you have the last one? Looking on to Jesus, who's the author of our, our salvation. We need to keep, I need to keep my eyes fixed on Christ. That's the only way you're going to keep focus of the finish line. You got to be focused on this thing and you gotta you got to uh, stay in training you need to stay in fellowship 
like yesterday. Yesterday was a great time of fellowship, even though we were working. And Ken was tearing it up with that sawzall out there on those weeds, man. Yeah. I know. You look at these weeds, you're like, I can't pull these weeds out. They're not weeds. These are like mini plants. And you're like, we got to either tear them out with a chain and a truck, or we're going to sawzall them out, you know? And you guys did a really good job. It looks really nice. Nice curb appeal out there and all that. But we stay in training. Staying in God's word. How are we doing on that? How are we doing on staying simply just going into God's word right here? You know what I mean? Do you hear his voice when he calls you? You ever get that like uh, a little bit of word? You ever get that prompting from the Holy Spirit sometimes? You know what I mean? I do. You know, and it's amazing that book can be sitting on the uh on that big breakfast bar right there, you know, on the countertop, you know, you can walk by it a lot. And then God's like, over here, over here, you know? And I throw these real things out to you because they're very real with me, okay? So looking on to Jesus, who is the author of our uh, uh, and finisher of our faith, and who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He loves you. Everything he did at the cross he did it because he loves you. Despising, okay. <laughs> Despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So he's with the Lord right now. Remember, he came down here to save us. And then he went back up to heaven after the resurrection, okay, to keep us saved. Because he's the one that we cry out to, okay? So he knows us. Looking on to Jesus, okay, for consider him who endured... Um, such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. See, when you become weary, and when I get bummed, and when I get down about certain things, I know who to cry out to. I know who to cry out to. It's the Lord Jesus. I'm going to get back to some numbers here. Okay, Back in 1994, you get, it was in the NBA draft. Okay, You've got Grant Hill, and who else was there? Jason Kidd and Glenn Robinson. All three of these guys were superstars. These are your rookie, top rookie selections. They went one, two, and three right in the draft, okay? And um, and they, uh, first time ever that they actually had a co-MVP, you know, that same year. One and two took uh, the co-MVP, and, and Glenn Robinson, he took like runner-up, you know? So they were that good, okay? Now, that was in the world, and they endured fine. They had all kind of crazy stuff and all that. Blah, blah, blah. They were like top. In 1945, there was a rookie evangelist class of, <laughs> of Billy Graham, yeah. of um, Chuck Templeton, and you had Bron Clifford. Those three guys, they were like the superstars. There, there's your, your starting lineup right there, okay? Those were the guys. Billy Graham wasn't even considered the hot rod of this bunch at all. These other guys, Templeton and Clifford, man, Clifford was considered, man, they're breaking all kinds of attendance records. They're breaking, people are coming to Christ, putting Billy Graham to shame, to shame. All right. So, you know, they had it. These guys were the guys, Clifford and Templeton. Five years later, after they started, and they were all in their mid-20s, say 25, 26, 27 right there. The three of them kind of hugged around that. 
Um, five years after they started, Templeton, he left the ministry, and he no longer believed in Christ. Five years after that, Clifford, he lost his family. He left the ministry. He lost his health. And finally, he died of alcohol, sitting in a little hotel room in Amarillo, Texas. See where I'm going with this as far as finishing the race? It's amazing. I'm reading this, and as a man, I'm thinking, gosh, God, how am I doing on this thing? I want, I, want to, I want to be in the race. You know, it's funny. I go up to Pine Top, and I've told my wife this many times. I love it up there. We have a nice little place. You know, it's great. But the crazy thing about it is, is I feel like I'm out of race when I'm not up there. It's like too quiet. It's just too quiet. The only thing I can hear is these stupid woodpeckers just pounding away at the side of my house, two and a half floors up, you know, which I had to take my gun up there and I'm shooting them, you know, and I'm like, this is crazy, you know. But uh, so anyway, um, but do you see by the world standards? Yeah, man, they rack them up. They do fine. But guess what? When God's standards, you got those three hot rods. And guess who stood for the test? Billy Billy Graham, okay? <laughs> Billy Graham, he stood the test. And, and he let God be the throttle in his life. You know what I mean? God moved him up, throttled him back, whatever it takes. This is what, because Jesus is the author of our salvation right there. I was talking about in Hebrews 12. Um. Okay, next piece of scripture here. If, um, I'll read it in a second. In Christian life, it's not how you start, but it's it's that finish line. That's where we got to focus at. And staying true to Jesus every day. Remember, wherever you're going at in life, it's a long way, wherever you're going. And Satan is in no big rush to come get you, okay? You got to really be careful, and you have to put your full trust in Christ. And yet, at the same time, here's Jesus' brother, his half-brother, James. My brother, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Not if, but when, Okay? So if you think you're reaching some level like, ah, I'm doing pretty good here, I think I see clearly, watch out. Yeah. <laughs> Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. You'd be patient on this thing like, God, help me. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. Waiting on the Lord. It's that perseverance. We need that. That perseverance is so strong. You know, we, we God's patience, and, and we got to be careful we don't confuse his approval with, oh, God, everything's cool. Well, you got to be, be careful here. God's not approving this thing. He's being patient in our life, and he wants us to constantly come to him. Come to me, all you who are weary, you know? Burdened down by all these things. You ever get that way like I do? You know, it's just amazing. Give you another little story here. Um, years ago, um, I was reading this. The Chicago Cubs back in the, I think it was in the 60s, they had a uh, the scouts. The scouts are like 
they're, 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 these guys float around. They're always looking for the talent. So this scout finds the, he, he calls the, the, uh, the owner of the team. He's like, look at, I found the best pitcher I have ever seen in my life. He was in college ball. Okay. He goes, the last game I saw him, 27 guys came up to bat and 27, he struck out. He goes, this guy's amazing. He goes, except for the last guy, the last guy foul tipped off twice. And, um, and the owner, and the guy goes, you want me to sign him? The guy, the guy's amazing. He goes, yeah. He goes, I don't want the pitcher. I want the dude to hit those last two foul balls off this guy. See what I'm saying? Look, sometimes things get a little dirty, boy. Sometimes we're going to foul off. You ever been to a ball game? You know, you get somebody, I've seen this. You get good pitching in some of these high school games. Some of these, I mean, some of these kids are all state, all American and all that. And, and I used to watch this, and, man, all of a sudden, you get these pitchers out there, and then, boom, one kid's out there, man, just wrecking it, man, just thinking, oh, okay, just straightening it out, man. He's almost got his number. There's your hitter. God wants hitters. He wants these people that can get up and just get on base somehow. A lot of times, it doesn't have to be the nicest thing, looking thing. You're like, you know what? I'll take it. We used to always have a coach like, Jim, look, man, this guy is so good to pitch, man. Just get hit. Just get on base, whatever it takes. You know what I mean? It don't make no difference. God just wants nothing pretty, nothing exceptional. You just just, just, just get good just get a contact. And that's what he's looking for. And um, so just making contact. We don't have to be the pros. We don't have to be the hot shots. None of this. It doesn't make any difference. Just making contact. Next piece of scripture, please. And the Lord spoke to Moses. Remember him? Poor guy that drove two million people around the desert, you know? Yeah. And um, he said, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man and everyone a leader among them. Moses, here's my little reading. Um, Here's your first 12. You got the spies that went into the land. I'm going to read this here a little bit. Um, They, um, I think I got it backwards. Yeah, there we go. All right, God specifically instructs Moses to pick out 12 men. You got one from each tribe, okay? But he is even more specific than that. He tells him to pick 12 leaders. So we're talking, here we go, back to the starting lineup, guys, proven winners. And that's what Moses did. He picked men from each tribe who had already proven themselves as leaders. They were Israel's best, and they were the brightest. They weren't rookies. These guys were vets. These were men with proven track records, and they had a vision for the future. Moses was not going to pick people that just want to try it. He wanted serious people. So he sent in his starters, the main men. And out of those 12 men, remember, here we go, finish the strong. Only two pulled this one out, okay? Remember, only two came back with the good news. Out of 12, 
Okay, we're talking finishing strong here. Okay, so um, Israel waited for 40 years uh, to enter the land because 10 guys who had started strong, 10 guys who had seen God send the plagues to Egypt, 10 guys who had seen God open the Red Sea for them and their families, and then closing on Pharaoh, 10 guys who had seen God work time and time again on their behalf, they freaked out. And they got scared because of man. Okay? Two out of 10 did pretty good. That was Joshua and Caleb. And they, it's just mind-boggling, isn't it? That the whole nation was based on memory. Two out of 10 said, let's do it. Let's go on in. Let's get these guys. They go in and they check out the land and everything is just giant. Okay. They see the giants. Then they see the giant fruit, you know, and, 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 and all the, all the, you know, they're like, ah, uh, 10 guys are like, no way. You know, it's like going over to Costco parking lot, you know, and walk and driving in there and go, uh, that's some big carts there, man. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Then you go inside, and you're like, yeah, I just want to get milk. And you're like, oh, my gosh, a four-pack? This is like, man, it's going to take two people to pick this thing up. You know what I mean? You know, who are you going to put your stock in? Remember the one that's on the cross, Jesus, the author of our salvation? He says he's going to take us through this. He joyfully went to the cross. He's going to carry us through this time, okay? So, you know, I mean, this fear factor kicks in. So... These 10 leaders, they had a great start, but they just couldn't finish. They couldn't finish this one. And they delayed Israel's realization of the promised land for 40 years. A whole, uh, God bless you. They had a whole generation that had to perish in the desert. Okay, God's like, okay, fine. Obviously, that's where this nation's at. I'm going to clear it out, and then we're going to try it, and we'll go in. And um, so, um, and, and you know what's funny, too, is, is um, to this day, you know, when you think of the other 10 guys, um, nobody, nobody names their kid after the other 10 guys. But I got a boy named Joshua, and I know Caleb's, but I don't know anybody that names their kid after the other 10, you know? In fact, here's some of the names. Shaphat, Egal, Pilati, Gadil, Gadai, Amamil, Sathor, Nabi, Gruel. That kind of says a little bit right there, doesn't it? I mean, I mean, God knew this ahead of time. Like, you know what? These are two cool names. These other guys, you know what? Yeah. And uh, but here we are. We're still naming for the two good ones, aren't we? <laughs> Josh and Caleb, you know? So um, the, the endurance determines whether or not a man will finish strong is endurance this godly character that we need to have okay and for women too but i'm just using this this is because this is a book about men's finishing strong in ministry and uh and sadly you hear about this i mean the life expectancy of pastors these days i think it's four years five years something like that when they get into it they're like this is just too much I can't do this. And then, and then so much changes, you know, this is why I laugh and I love Dan 
because it's, I mean, I, I say this humbly because Dan's Dan, but he loves the Lord and he prays for the congregation and he's just praying for all of us. And he goes through the same things that we go through, but we just keep pushing forward and going through this thing. And he wants to stay, you know, in, in good fellowship too. And we're not in a hundred yard dash. We're in this long marathon. Second, the next one, please. And you've heard this before. This is what, this is what Paul told young Timothy. I fought the good fight and I've finished this race and I've kept the faith. Wow. He told him that. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. That's where we all fall into this, this little magic pot, you know. Um, Paul was on a journey. When you read what these men went through, and women too, in the Bible, it was a rough road. He had things that God said, please take this from me, you know what I mean? I don't know if it was a... uh, this, he had, obviously he had these scales, could have been an eye disease and uh, just stuff. You know, young Timothy, he had stomach problems because Paul's telling him, say, hey, drink a little bit of wine to kind of clear this up because, you know, obviously it had a lot of bacteria and water and all that. But but we, we it, 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 this is a haul we're on. I say these things to encourage every one of you to keep fighting this good fight. Paul wrote about this. He knew what he was talking about. Constantly. He was always under attack. I want to tell you another little thing here, too. I read this in a different spot. I wanted to share with this. There's a movie out. It's called The uh, Boats. Um, what's it called? Boys in the Boat. Okay? And I was reading this thing about that, kind of putting it all together. These guys... Now, I'm not a boat guy. Even though I would like to have a boat up there, you know, and I want one with a steering wheel. This way I can be the captain. A small one, you know, like a little, you know, I want, I want to be, you know, have grandkids up there. I can steer around where everybody else got their little flat bottom J boat. I want a nice and quiet one. But these these boat I was watching this, these guys, and they um they all these all these guys are in that boat. And, um, and you've got the finish. They're all facing this way, but the finish line is that way. Okay. So how are you going to know how to get there? Cause you know how it is. You get in the boat, like even a rowboat, you know what I mean? You're going this way and all. Well, you got this guy standing on the back of the boat. I'm not sure what his name is, uh, Cosman or, um, something like that. I kind of quickly wrote that down, but what happens is, is they, um, so they have their backs to the finish line. So how do they know how to finish strong? How do they know this? They're just, they're going for it. So how do they pace themselves? And they, and, and how do they know when to speed up? Because I'm sure there's an art to all this stuff when these guys boat. Um, if they can't see the finish line, and if they can't fo- focus on it, then how in the world... Can these guys row straight and get there just the way that they're supposed to? The answer is that they focus on this dude that's in the back of the boat. Okay? 
So they got their eyes focused on. And he's the guy with the megaphone. When I saw this thing, he showed this guy megaphone, and they're just out there just humping it. These guys are just going to town. So he's got the megaphone sitting at the end of the boat, and um, and he's facing the crew, and uh, and he's the only one that knows how to get to the finish line. Okay? So, so the men at the oars look at him, they listen to him, and they obey his commands, and they count on him to coach them to get to the finish. And he paces them, he encourages them, and they trust him to get them across the finish line in the strongest possible way. So they're counting on this Coswain, this man, to enable them to finish strong. That's our Christian life. How do we finish strong? We don't finish strong by facing the finish line. Okay? We, 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 we finish strong because we have our eyes on that guy in the back of the boat Amen. leading there. We have, we got that, we get to that finish line because we're focusing on Christ. Right? Remember, just like Jesus has got these guys in the boat, just like he had the disciples in the boat, and that's where he's got us. He's got us in the boat. And we just, and he's, he's telling us, and he's encouraging us, and he's, he's doing everything. The disciples were the same way. These men, they were the second 12. You know, first 12 were the 12 that went into the land. You know, two out of 12 blew it. Now, the difference between the disciples, all of them did great. Well, except for one. We know which one that was. That was Judas, you know what I mean? But not bad. 10 out of 12 made it, okay? But they had that advantage. They, had, they were in the presence of Christ. He's right there, right there. Sometimes he'd be right there eating with them. Other times, what was he doing? He's telling them, say, go, go the other side. And they're like, you know, like we do. You ever hear something? You're like, is that you? Or is this me and my nutty self again trying to tell myself something? We go to the Holy Spirit like, Lord, please, I'll say this again. Was that you or was this me saying this? You know, so we um, we we want to we want to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And uh, and and I do and I try. And uh, and with the Lord's help, he'll always keep you. He's always talking to us with the megaphone. And sometimes, you know, our coach. That Coswain guy in the back of the boat, he knows when they can kind of draft a little bit, you know, or sometimes you got to speed it up, man, to the left, to the right, because otherwise, once you go into someone else's lane, I think you're disqualified, I think. You know, they got the, the things in there and all. But um, so he will encourage us. We are in the boat with Jesus, and um, and each of us is rowing. We're rowing daily. And we're rowing diligently. And we fix our gaze upon him, just like when he was on the cross. And he will pace you. And he will encourage you. And he will instruct you. And then one day, the race will be over. Your race. And we will cross that finish line. And life on earth will be over. 
And because we have listened to him and because we obeyed him, we realize we didn't just finish, but we finished strong. And that was the whole of it right there, that we would finish strong in our faith. Not that you got to be the hot rods out there because, you know, but like the simple things that we do, <laughs> pulling weeds, cleaning the kitchen, going home, just encouraging someone. You know what I mean? That's where God is just constantly just lubing up the gears in our lives. That's, that's the way he works, you know? And he puts us together as a clump too, as a, as a body, as friendship, as fellowship and all that. We're going to get together and do the, the Super Bowl party. As long as the Cowboys don't make it, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Those two guys, see right there? Right here. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Okay. So, but um, anyway, it's about time, but I wanted to share my heart with you and just share some of the things that I kind of ran across. But when I saw that one in 10, I'm like, woof, man, that is a strong number. And because um, when you serve the Lord, you got a big bullseye on your back. It's hunting season, folks. And he's coming after you. But you know what? With Christ, we don't have to worry about it. We just keep on taking the encouragement, and he gives us the strength we need. Amen? Let's pray. Are you going to do another song? Okay, Father God, thank you, Father. You uh, Just the thought of you watching us and encouraging us and just giving us what we need is so refreshing. It is. And we need this, Lord. I need this. God, help us through the, our journeys in life and, uh, and also help little journey, too. And she's in the hospital. You give her you give her what she needs, Father. You pull her out of that hospital, take her back home, and heal her up, Lord. You help this family through this time. But, God, thank you so much. Thank you for this little body here. We love you. And um, and for the way that you work in our lives, that we can just be, we, we keep our eyes fixed on you because you know what lies ahead for us, Father. And we can just keep on cooking here with you, Father. And we praise you, and we thank you for everything. In Jesus' name, amen.